0: It's an explanation for the past, it's a prediction for the future, and it's a blueprint for the present. The script of the organization is sometimes locked into the script of the person. Yeah. And I can see with many of the teams I work with that sometimes people choose their jobs choose organizations that fits into their own script. This is Three People in Your Head,
1: a podcast about getting the best out of yourself and others. Co-hosted by Matt Taylor and myself, John Fleming.
2: In this episode, we speak to Cor van Geffen. Cor is a provisional teaching and supervising transactional analyst in the organizational field. He is also a professional trainer facilitator, coach, and teacher. He works with and for organizations, guiding management teams, and directors of companies. Among other things, we talk about script theory and how this is applied to organizations and team development. We hope you enjoy. So, Cor, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Three People In Your Head. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about your roles, responsibilities, involvement in
0: TA, that kind of thing? (laughs) Pretty clear question. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So i take 45 minutes for this. (laughs) Yeah, broad one. Well, my name is Kofel Geffen. I'm a professional PTSDA and I'm running a training and coaching company in Holland. I teach at the Bernd. And I teach in Holland at Nairobi University. It's a very business university. And we do also teach TA over there. And besides that, you talk a lot about roles. <laughs> I'm a teacher in NLP. I love to do NLP and I do family constellations. And I earn my money really by guiding management teams and teams of directors of companies. Wow.
2: That's a a broad swathe of roles.
0: Okay. Oh, and I've got one. I'm also a yoga teacher. I teach <laughs> once a week, I do evening yoga teaching, and I really love it.
2: So you do a lot of teaching. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And so, tell us a bit more about how you came across TA, where that first occurred, and why it is that you got involved in the world of transactional analysis.
0: Yeah, great question. I was at my Colleague Pia Umans, he runs a company in Leiden, and we were guiding a, a team of teachers and there was a lot going on in this team. one point, she drew the drama triangle and she explained it, and we did some exercise with the drama triangle, and I was really astonished. I said, wow, what the fuck is this? I want to know more about it. And then I got to one-on-one, and there it happened. I was just, I wanted to know more and more and more. So I did some training, and then I learned about CTA, and then I said, okay, I want to do this also. So it, it was a great start. Drama triangle, and there yeah. we go. Great piece of
2: theory. That one hooks a lot of people. Yeah. And when was that? Wow. Uh, I think about 50 years ago. So you've been in the world of TA for a long time.
0: Yes. How do you involve TA with all the other stuff that you do? For me, it's very logical to combine TA with NLP and family constellations. They're all three at my mind the whole day. Yeah. And for some of my colleagues, I'm a very weird person because I can switch from TA to NLP to family constellations or I can mix them. Right. And TA is for me... It gives explanations why Family Constellation works right. and why it works like it works yeah. and NLP also. Sometimes NLP exercises give a lot of insights on something like script.
2: Right. Okay. Can you tell us a bit more about the kind of things that you're passionate about in TA, your favorite pieces of
0: theory? What's most important with you and your work? Uh, great question. I have to choose. So let's start with script. I love really the part of script because I can use it when I coach, give therapy to people. But I really love the work of Rosa Kraut's on organizational script. Yeah. And so she is doing the live positions. She combines the live positions with main teams in organizations like people, time, money, places. So she combines them and says, okay, this is what an organization is doing. And then you come to do you know the interlocking script, the definition of interlocking script? So there's a great concept where I forgot his name, but he says that the script of the organization is sometimes locked into the script of the person. Yeah. And I can see with many of the teams I work with that sometimes people choose their jobs and choose organizations that fits into their own script. Right, And that stimulates their own scripts and keep it apart, keep it living. So, so it's really I mean, interlocking.
2: So with that, I'm just going to ask you a question now. If we've got members of the public listening and they're kind of new to TA, how would you define script as simple as possible? I know this <laughs> is going to test of you for your
0: teacher role now. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think truly, Newton said it's an explanation for the past is a prediction for the future and is a blueprint for the present. Brilliant. And I really love that definition because it's not only about the blueprint of our past, now you have some tools to work with in the present to create another future.
2: Okay. And so you're, you're really interested in the way that an individual's script works or interlocks with an organization's script and why yeah, people well, choose.
0: Yeah, or the team script.
2: Okay. So tell us more about your interest in teams then, because this is something that I'm just starting to learn about myself in the world of TA, but I'm pretty new to it. So tell us more how you think TA fits in terms of team building, team effectiveness, that kind of thing. What's it got to say?
0: Yeah, I could say a lot about it. Where should I start? Mostly, I started working in organizations after I got my NLP practitioner exam, and I want to tell everybody how great NLP was, and (laughs) it came very clear to me that the world wasn't waiting for NLP. (laughs) Okay, right. It was very shocking also. And then I got asked from a friend of mine, and he said, I have a management team, and we're doing some stuff. Can you come and talk over with us? Yeah. All right. And that was the start of working with teams. So we yes. were there with three guys, and I usually had the role of observer, and I saw some, some strange things happening. So he's saying this, but why he's reacting like this? Yeah. And they're not talking about the subject, but there's a lot of going on. What the fuck is going on in this team? So it really interested me, and years later, I found out a little bit of Bayon, and Bayon talks about the assumptions, the basic assumptions, and he talks about the task group, and I really noticed that most teams aren't working on the task. Right. They're just working on their basic assumptions to keep a safe feeling.
2: So they're and- not actually doing the work that the team is there to do? Yes.
0: And I like to work with the concept of time structuring from burn in a team because they find it very astonishing to find out that most of the time they're working on rituals and time passing instead of activities. Right? They're very scared of intimacy.
2: What is it about TA that's so helpful in these kind of organizations and teams and working together?
0: What I really like about TA, you can explain it to everybody, no matter what. Yeah. And you can draw it within a few seconds, and it's clear for everybody. So it works so very good. Yeah. So I don't have to do a teaching for over an hour on the drama triangle. Yeah. This, within five minutes, it's clear. And mostly everybody in the team says, oh, this is what we're doing. And you're the bypasser of the bystander. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's true. It's so accessible. Yeah. yeah it's very accessible. Yeah. Great. Okay.
1: Or so I was wondering if you would expand on organizational and team script a little bit. I'd be interested to know how you understand those things to be formed. Because you gave an explanation to what script was earlier about it being, you know, an explanation from the past. And I understood that to be about the individual script. Yes. So I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about what's organizational script like, is organizational script something from the founder, from the CEO, you know, how does that come about? And then maybe yeah. a little bit more about team script, because these are new concepts for me. I haven't heard it being described that way before. I'd love to know more about.
0: Yeah. Great, great question, John. Thank you. In Holland, we have a TA specialist called Pete Weisfeld, and he wrote a lot about secrets of organizations and. He really explains that the founder of the organization, the script of the founder fits the script of the organization. Okay. We can see that, for example, with Apple is, I think, a really great example. The script of jobs is drowned into Apple all over the place. Working hard, be creative, be ruthless, not looking good at people. So all these stuff are combined with Apple still mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. And later on, each director influenced the script of the organization. But the basic is still on the founder. And I used to talk it with with school directors. And one of these guys said, well, we have a founder, but he didn't work at the organization at all, but he founded the school. And then we investigated and then he was very astonished. So what to do? What is this about? Because the founder, he believed in God a lot, and he was very strict on all the religious rules. Yeah. And then they found out the school was not religious, but the school was one piece of rules. Really? All over the time, okay. on everything. That was his influence over,
2: wasn't the religion, but the strict following of rules. Yes. yes. Fascinating. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, because we, we're talking about organizations and teams and that kind of thing. What? What do you say is the difference between these terms, organizations, groups, teams? Hmm. Do they have distinctions?
0: That is a very good question. That's a really good question. I see a lot of teams where people say we aren't a team. We're just a group of people with one manager. Right. And they're right because they don't have to work together. They have all different kinds of territories. They mostly work for other people in the organizations and their manager is only their HR manager. So they're really a group and not a team. And for me, I really love the definition of a team is when they co-dependent to each other. Yeah. And they have a clear goal for all people in the team.
2: Okay. So it'd be much more like a sports team. Yeah. So, something. Right, okay. And so back to the question about script and organizational mm-hmm. script. What about when you have a number of different founders? So Apple would be an interesting one because there's Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Yeah. But you only spoke about Steve Jobs, which obviously he ended up being the name, didn't he, for Apple? Yeah. Does yeah, that feed into a- it as
0: well? I don't know if you have seen the movie Jobs. Yeah. The one with Ashton Kushner. Yeah. And there's a very great scene when Jobs come to Wozniak at his home and there's a lot of stuff around on the table and Jobs says, what's this? Ah, there's nothing. And then he turns on some TV and there are figures and numbers rolling and Jobs is very interesting and he says, ah, there's nothing. How do you call it? I call it the operating system. And then they move from their house into the garage and then Jobs says, this is great. This has must the world know, and the other guy says, "But nobody wants to buy a computer, really." <laughs> and Jobs says, "Everybody will buy a computer," and that's, that's for me the visionary thing of Jobs makes him the owner and makes him the determination of the script of Apple. Gotcha,
2: right? Because he's the guy who held the vision, drove the yeah. vision forward. So he make the, the company.
0: Wozniak would have never started Apple. Yeah. He would still be in his garage finding out (laughs) things for himself. Yeah, he truly loved the
2: programming side, didn't he, and the technological side. Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. And so when you talk about script and your definition, Trudy Newton's definition, does that definition fit exactly as well for the script of an organization?
0: Yeah, mostly. But I think in an organization, the influences of the context of the organization, I think is much greater than for an individual. And most bigger companies, they also influence each other. So the different departments have also their own scripts. So you, you have the organization script and you have team scripts. Right, okay. I have a great example, it's very sad also, we were asked for a great department, a government department in Holland, and he says, we have a team, and this team is not functioning well, and you have to learn them to work together. You have to learn them to communicate with other departments. Yeah. And most of the guys came in, and they said like this. Arms folded. Shoulders high, arms folded. And defensive. <laughs> really Defensive. Yeah. And, well, we talked and we did some things and we did finally a really good job with the team. But when we spoke to the manager later on, he said, really, because the guy said, we don't have good systems, our computers are old, they don't work hard, or they don't work good. And the manager said later on to us, well, really, if these 50 guys aren't there tomorrow anymore, nobody will notice. Really? so this whole team had a script of don't be and everybody who was put in this team had his personal script on don't be and don't belong so nobody noticed them nobody noticed they weren't important right not at all so they were all
2: so you can have pockets within a larger because you're talking about obviously this enormous organization governmental body and you can have pockets within an organization with very different scripts than i'd imagine
0: Yes, and it's all interlocking.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so how did you first get into this, the world of organizations then and teams? What led to your career going in that direction?
0: Well, I, t- I told you about this guy who said, come and look with this team. And um, this was just after you qualified in NLP? Yes, yes. And, and what were and you doing before that? I was a marketing product manager.
2: Okay, so you're in organizations already?
0: Yeah, you understood the world of organizations. Okay. Yeah, very good. And there also in Holland, fifty years ago, we had a new law about illness and people who are ill, and we have to fill a lot of forms. And there was a lot of insurance uh, companies involved. And I formed a new team about this and uh, created new products on this. Yeah. And it was very great to build a team on a complete new subject.
2: Right. Okay. So that was how you got into the world of organizations. And and then you were invited to be a consultant
1: and other work like that.
0: Yeah. I can talk the language of organizations. Great.
1: Cor, I'm going to ask you a sticky question. I love it. Now,
0: Now that you have all
1: of the experience that you have and are able to reflect back on all of your years of working in organizations, when you look back at you forming this new team for this new product range, what would you have done differently? With all of the knowledge you have now,
0: everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Now, maybe I can bring a little bridge on my article about teams. Yeah. Because I wrote the article about teams using the work of Pamela Levin. And she wrote a great article about the cycle of living and the cycle of development. And, And working on this, I found out stimulated by Martin Kouwenhoven, that the whole process of development of children is the same as development in a team. And for me, being the phase of the stage, being is for our people a really big one, but it's also for teams very, very, very important. And in the first stage of being in a team, everybody should be welcomed. Everybody should know that's the important. You have to give them a computer, a telephone, all the stuff, and say, You're welcome, glad you are here. Right. And I think okay. that's the main part I forgot. <laughs> interesting. So, that part of the
2: cycle is about being. So, that would be like welcoming a child into the world, Yes. meeting the child's needs, allowing the child. Yeah, unconditional.
0: Uh, interesting. And in teams, it has to be also unconditional.
2: So, in forming a new team, that first yeah. phase, yeah. is a really important part.
0: Yeah. Especially since I wrote the article, I also found out that when there's a new team member, yeah, the team is going back to the being stage. Okay. But most of the time, the team and the manager is forgetting this. So they're saying to the new guy, oh, we're already here. Come on. Gotcha. But That's actually, how-
2: as a whole, it's a completely new team because it's got a new member.
0: Yeah. And all the contracting, all the strokes, all the different parts have to be set again.
2: I guess that would create an awful lot of, I guess in some ways, a lot of work, which in the early stages might seem like too much, possibly.
0: Yeah, and people forget it and say it takes too much time. Right. But when you do the work at the beginning, it all flows at the very stage, of the later stage of the team.
2: And allows the team to then be effective at doing the work. The reason why they're together. And before we started recording, you were saying you're writing a book as well. Tell us a little bit about what that's about. Does that fit into the stuff we've already been talking
0: about? It's about the model of team, the cycle of team development. Okay. So, working out my article, but I get a lot of more space to dig in very deep into kinds of stuff. So, I talk a lot more about Bion. And for example, in the States, doing uh, it's very important for the team to explore, to investigate, to create new ways to do things. Mm. And then I use the work of Igo Byterbyte. He's a very creative person. And he talked about the importance of the divergence and convergence. So to create more space and then bring it up together and how you can do that. So I can work divergence on Divergence
2: and convergence, is that?
0: Yeah, that's, right. that's Okay, what, brilliant. Yeah.
2: Great. Yeah.
1: I had a question, Matt, around, because I know you asked the difference earlier, Matt, between groups and teams. But I'm wondering, what's the difference between group and team development? Or do you see a difference, Cor?
0: Mm, I love it. I love your question, Joel. Well, I think for me, team development should also lead to make a contribution to the goal of the team. And group development can only be to be a group together. Right. So I work with some teams who say we're only a group together and we don't have a clear goal for us all. Mm. And then I work a lot with strokes to each other and let the group be a good place to be and to rest from the work or to reflect or to give uh, supervision or to give uh, feedback, that kind of stuff. Okay. And I also do that with teams. but then building up to make a contribution to the task of the team. There
1: you go. Yeah, that seems really clear in my mind now because I have been very confused up to this point, not in the session, but just in generally in life about (laughs) where you put the boundaries between team and goal, team and group. But there is a real clear distinction, isn't it, about it's a group of people all working towards a goal when it's a team, whereas a group yeah. can all be emerged in different tasks. But I like yes. what you said around working with strokes. Like I've never thought about that, about, yeah, OK, they might be working out in different ways in the organization, but actually when they come together, they still need to be able to work together to give feedback. Or I really like what you said about a place to rest and refresh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how often does that happen in organizations?
0: You know, Not that much, not that much. And I don't know how it is in England and Ireland, but in Holland, we're not that kind of good in stroking. We're very good at feedback, sharp feedback, but give really strokes and receive strokes is also very different for us.
2: I think, to be honest, I'm not part of a big organization, but I have a friend who has written a book recently on feedback, and he would suggest that actually... In the UK, we're not great at giving and receiving feedback, partly because we don't clearly communicate well or feedback is seen as something more akin to criticism or Mm. just a way of getting you to be more effective rather than actually a way of communicating or opening up the dialogue, which I'd Mm. imagine if the strokes are done well and intelligently, then that would make a big difference.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And it's also when we look again at the model of Pamela Levin, when you come at the stage of thinking, the third stage, there is feedback really important. And that's the stage where team members have to learn to give feedback and receive feedback. And not only stroking, but really uh, critical feedback. For most people, I found out, and for me also, to give that kind of clear feedback that is not being attacking but only on the content yes Uh, so set up your adult is really important in this and being neutral in your tone of voice being neutral in your face and then the message can be received so it's about information
2: like you were saying having that safety within the group people having the capacity to be an adult inviting people to be an adult yeah so that would be a lot around the team leadership as well then, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. And I heard you say about safety. My sponsor, Anna de Graaf, wrote an article about that we in TA do too much about safety. Interesting. He's saying, so people only learn when it's not too safe. Okay. And when you combine it with, with Anthony Robbins, and Anthony Robbins, NLP guru says, no gain without pain.
2: Yes, that's true. Yeah, discomfort is part of the process of growth. Yeah, it
1: is. Yeah, there's a risk in that then as well, though, isn't there that like we go too far with that because that's where this culture of I'm going to give you lots of constructive feedback, you know, so it's like, how do you keep it in the middle of the two? There is like a sweet spot there, isn't there, where it's not too nicey, nicey, marshmallow, everything's lovely here, Yeah,
0: but it's not too harsh either. I think you really got a good point, John, because I think when I explain the time structuring, I always use two arrows and one arrow of safety, which is when you withdraw, that is very safe, and intimacy is not very safe, yeah. and the line of intimacy. So when you are intimate, is very intimacy, but when you withdraw, there is no intimacy at all. Right. And then when you do the time structuring, Each one of us had to find out was, for me, the perfect balance in this. And then when you talk about it as a team, you can do contracting, how we do this together.
2: Yes. So the contracting part is really important. So you understand what people's proclivities are and their capacity to be able to receive the feedback, give feedback, stay an adult. And I guess what you were saying as well about that element of being when a new member joins that. Everybody has that space to experience being part of the group, which then later would lead to or facilitate the feedback process being smoother. Yeah. One of the questions that John and I always ask our guests, and this would be really interesting to ask you because you said that you teach in a university which teaches TA, but Mm -hmm. we always ask our guests why do you think TA is not better known? generally by the public. Now, it may be that you think it is, but our experience is that most of our friends, when we tell them about transaction (laughs) analysis, most of them haven't heard of it at all. But what's your
0: thoughts on that? Yeah, I love the question. I have some few answers. And the first answer, I think for a part is in the script of Eric Byrne. Okay. Because he wrote a lot of books, but he was also a person not to shout out loud, this is me and this is the world and this is what I think. So maybe there's a don't be or don't be successful driver of a stopper for him. So we're talking about about the script
2: of the founder
0: again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's one part. Second part is that I think TA is for me too much in the line of therapy as an institute on the PR part, in the yeah. exposure part. Okay. So most people, when they know a little bit about TA, it's, they only can say about ego states and its therapy. Yeah. And so much more. When you think of the eco part of Giles Barrow and the educational part, yeah. really great. A lot we wrote in organizational stuff. It's really great. Yeah. When I tell people about TA, I usually say, so... We have a lot of thirty basic concepts. We have three hundred concepts basic basic and we have twenty thousand sub concepts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of material in there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, it's great. So and but they look at me if I'm mad. But I think that we don't exposure it too much because most of us like our jobs. <laughs> and yeah. we don't like to go on a stage and tell more about it. It's really strange there isn't a TEDx talk about TA.
1: I know. Yeah. There should, should be, be one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the other thing I think, or because I really like what you're saying here, the other thing I think is really important is, because you picked up on it there about it being about therapy, we only ever seem to talk about TA as something that's applied. It's like it's therapy, it's OD, it's education, it's counseling. And actually, before it's any of those things, it's a body of social psychology. And I don't think we promote it as such enough. That is the top layer. And we have a really valuable contribution to offer to the wider sociological and psychological community. But okay. because we get so entrapped in the pathway to accreditation, are you going to be a counselor? Are you going to be a consultant? Are you going to be a psychotherapist? We forget about what we're building here all the time and all of the wonderful information and insights that are there. So I think for me, I keep when anyone asks me, because in Ireland, transactional analysis isn't very well known. So when somebody says, what is TA? I say it's a social psychology. That's right. all you need to know for now.
0: <laughs> I yeah, think. It's great. And one of my colleagues in Holland teaches TA as positive psychology. Yeah. So, and it is. Yeah. It is. And I think so we have to do a lot about PR and getting outside. And I find it shameful to say that we have a very high standard uh, on quality, but don't talk in the outworld about our standard. Maybe we say it's hard working, and you do a few years about it to get it, but we don't say it's a very high standard. You don't become a CTA for nothing. You have to do something for it. Yeah, yeah,
2: Yeah. I agree. We have come across a number of people. I'm training in psychotherapy. I have been doing for a few years now. And I've also recently started training in organ ed as well because I love TA. But I discovered that the training for psychotherapy is a good chunk longer than most other schools that I'm aware of in other forms of psychotherapy. (laughs) I had no idea when I signed up. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the training is rigorous. It's very thorough. And Yeah. yeah, we don't shout about it. And it's actually one of the reasons why me and John wanted to do the podcast in some way, because we're really passionate and feel like it's got so much to offer the world in terms of the knowledge and insights.
0: I agree. So I really love you doing this. It's it's great. It's It's a new way to communicate.
1: Yeah, I was really interested in what you said, Cora, about the TA community as a whole not speaking out. Like, why is there not a TED talk? Why are we not on the radio giving commentary on social issues? I feel like we have so much to offer. And not necessarily being directive, saying we think Hmm. you should do this or this, but adding a commentary giving thoughts, feelings, observations on things. Yeah. And this is something that comes up a lot, even in these episodes. We recently had an episode with Leonard Campus, and he talked about his frustration of the TA community not reaching out to other professionals, you yeah. know, and, and we keep meeting people. And now I'm going, why is everybody talking about the fact that we're all frustrated that we're <laughs> not doing it? We, <laughs> like it needs to no longer be an observation that it's not happening because we've had enough insights and observations now that we're not good at doing these things. Now is the time for action.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) great. John sounds
1: like a politician for TA now, doesn't
0: he? Yeah, we need one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've I've talked to Matt about this. uh, I have this image of the TA community standing in a circle um, Mm. with Eric Byrne in the middle. We're, We're all looking at him and we're all have our arms around each other interlinked Mm. and it's like we're a closed circle and i feel like what we need to do is we need to turn out to the world we need to turn out to the world and start looking at others and inviting others in and we can't have our arms interlinked anymore because this shouldn't be a closed group Mm. it should be accessible to everybody so i don't know how to make that happen but like matt said the podcast is a beginning hopefully yeah yeah,
0: we have to start it all over. And for me, it's very, when you say this, it's so a shame because Byrne just talked about the boundaries and making the boundaries with a lot of space so that oh. people can come in and come out. You don't know the model of the boundaries, the public structure and the private structure? Yes, I do, yeah.
2: I do, and the apparatus and that. But um, yeah. I didn't know that he was talking about TA as a whole and what was going on there.
0: Yeah, also... So I think we have to do some work around it. Yeah. And I think we have some stuff going out in refining our identity as TA community. Yeah. And I think now's the time. I think we have the identification. Now's the time to come out. Yeah. And talk to other people, make yeah. connections. So this is what
2: really interested me. We've had a couple of guests on who when we've asked them that question, they've said Well, we need to get more integrated into the universities like other fields or other theories have integrated. And there's research being done on these particular theories in the universities by academics. And I think Richard Erskine mentioned that he worked with a load of academics early stages, but who wanted to teach at universities, but then they weren't allowed to because they didn't have the qualifications to, and all that kind of stuff. And I think Leonard Campos said that we need to get more integrated into the academic system. And you are. So tell us more yeah. about that, the university that you're part of. How did TA become integrated there and what's your role in that university with TA? Yeah.
0: I was being asked, <laughs> but I have some colleagues who have done a great job over there. Yeah. Margaret Slewenhoek is one of these. And she was in some way connected to the business part-time MSc. And she introduced TA over there and now she's working in a lot of parts of the business, but it's also a business university. Yeah. So maybe that's different. Yeah. So there is TA, a big part when there is a little bit about personal development, Nairobi chooses for doing this with TA.
2: Right. Okay. So it's all about the organizational stuff.
0: And we have also other universities and we have the kind of the same problem as you are. Yeah. Not enough professors, not enough improvement, not enough investigations—that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very strange because when you walk around in that kind of university and talk about of other theories, I think they're not as good as they say they are. Investigated <laughs> and inquired. So, yeah. But it's also about the same thing. We don't mention it enough. We don't go enough to university and say, "Let's work together." Let's find out together. Yeah. And I think that's a part for us to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The collaboration.
0: Yeah.
2: Hmm. Great. Okay. That's a nice invitation to any of the TA professionals who are listening.
0: (laughs) I think so too. TA world. And for us too.
2: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Love it. One of the things we also ask is, what do you think are the myths around TA? Because we want to kind of burst some of those bubbles, the myths developed around uh, TA. What do you think those might be, if any?
0: One of the myths is it's only ego states. It's therapy. It's old fashioned. It's old school. It's the 70s. (laughs) No depth enough. So a few there. (laughs) Yeah. 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 All of them. Not true. Yeah. And so in terms of your
2: own personal journey, you say you've been in the world of TA for 50 years now. Yes. What 15. have you seen change? The most significant shifts in the world of TA in those years.
0: Mm. I think Mark Whitteson did a great job on the importance of investigation and scientific research. Search. Yeah, yeah, research. So that's a great part, I think. For me, there is a lot of development on the organizational part and the educational part. I think they are alive and kicking. Yeah. And I think in Holland, we can see a shift. Eh? So we have a team, I think, 10, 50 years ago, we had maybe 10 PTSD TSDA, And now we have almost 30. Uh, so it's growing. We have more trainers than supervisors. Yeah. And there is a lot of more energy around it and a lot of more drive together. Fantastic. And in Holland, we are working on be a better professional together. Yeah. So we did a lot of things on rules about privacy and this kind of stuff yeah. and working with an external party when there are complaints. So I think we are growing as being a professional.
2: Okay. So it's not just in numbers. It's in your approach, professionalism.
0: Yeah. Okay. And what I see, but maybe it's because I'm growing in, in the world of TA, I see there are a lot of more international connections. Mm. So I can see we do a lot of in Ukraine and that kind of countries. Yeah. And I can see working together at the Bern Institute with the TA Academy in Holland. Yeah. So I think we're growing to each other. And I yeah. love
2: that. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've noticed since the lockdown began as the number of seminars that I've attended with people from all over the globe. It's been wonderful. And the fact that the world has opened up through Zoom, all these integrations and connections that are happening, that has been one of the real benefits, the side effects of the lockdown. So yeah, yeah, that more integrated TA world. So, Cole, can you tell us a little bit about any exciting projects that you're working on at
0: the moment. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you about a few in your did, book, beside my book. Yes, yeah, I have published a game, a game in working on the Hero's Journey. Ah, uh, okay. Do you know the Hero's Journey? Yeah, yeah, I
2: love. Yeah, fantastic.
0: Yeah, and in the Hero's Journey there are twelve stages. Yeah, and I translated to dna of change in organizations and with people and Great. we have 36 cards yeah and each step of the 12 is in the normal step of the hero journey so but this is like also, a board game no 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 i will show it to you yeah yeah people can't show but it's so we'll we described we talked okay, about so pack, uh, <laughs> oh yeah like a pack of cards a pack of cards so well known we people. have a lot so do you Churchill, know this guy
2: rocky balboa rocky. <laughs> <laughs> A karate, a kid. A karate Kid. Okay. So well known movie characters and characters. Yeah, from and, the and, and then
0: you can pick a card about a person. Yeah. Okay. And then on the other side is a this quote. Text. quote. Yeah. So can Steve Jobs. It? The ones it's who
2: are it. crazy enough to think that they can change the world
1: are the ones who do love it. And what do you do then with this in a team?
0: How do you facilitate the game? I use them for several parts, so you can use it by Wait tell who you are at the beginning of a training, yeah, and pick a card and tell about it. But I also use it when they have a problem in the team, and everybody picks a card who's connect with his idea of what the problem is. Oh, I love it. Yes. And then with combination of the quotes and the yes. card, yeah, they have tools to talk about it. Okay, uh, that's so a really
2: facilitating conversation about difficult or challenging yes.
1: feedback. Cause I've done that before with picture cards. You know, I'm sure we all have at some point, but there can be yeah. an erupting volcano or there can be a picture of a Buddha, you know, whatever you, but I really like this, like, because in business, sometimes people don't like that. It's a bit too soft. far. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's a bit too soft. Yeah. Whereas I can see people really like picking a card of Rocky or Steve Jobs and really relating to it and feeling like they emulate that person in their, yeah. in their role. I think it's very clever. I like it a lot.
2: And how
0: does that integrate with the Jungian archetypes that you were talking about? You said, Yeah, this is the next part. It was yeah. my first game. Yeah. And I'm now working with my second game, and it's about Jung and his archetypes. So and archetypes are the universal picture of some part of us. Uh, yeah. Everybody has a mother or a father in himself, a knight or yeah. a host. Yeah. And I picked from his books and other books about archetypes about 80 archetypes. And we're now making this kind of pictures on AD archetypes cool. in movies with a description of the bright side and the shadow side of the archetypes.
1: Very cool. I okay. know very little about Jung except for Anima and Animas. Are these two of the archetypes or
0: is that just No Anima and Animus is other thinking about yeah, combining those two in yourself mm-hmm. and he translated it to archetypes. So every archetype has also a female and a male space. Of, okay, uh, cool. So I'm going to ask you then, where can people get
2: hold of information on your games? We're doing a push for your games plug. Now, so, yeah, plug. <laughs> yeah,
0: thank <So> you. <laughs> where can we find out more about you? Do you have a website? I have a website, Atta inspireert. So it's inspiration in Dutch. Okay,
2: we'll put and that on the show notes then. Yeah. 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 Right. Great, love it. Perfect. Excellent. And they can find out about your games on there, can they? Yeah, they can. Do you
1: publish them in different languages, Corey? I know the ones there were in English.
0: This is only in English on the backside. Okay. And I have a little book with it, but I have to translate it in English also. So it's a product for next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Work in progress. Brilliant. (laughs) Yes. Good.
0: nice
2: thank cool. you very much yeah thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom and insight and i look forward to actually have a look at your website <laughs> more information <laughs> on those games they look fantastic
0: but yeah thank yeah. you so much for your time thank you i think you've done a great job on this of doing a great job on this. thank you thank you Cheers.
2: as always if you found anything in today's episode interesting please feel free to reach out you can visit our website, which has lots of information and TA resources, transactionalanalysispodcast.com. You can connect with us on all major platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email us at threepeopleinyourhead@gmail.com using the number three rather than the word. If you haven't already, please follow us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And we'd be really grateful if you could leave us a review. Thanks for listening.